Welcome to the Birthing Instincts Podcast. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein, community-based practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices. And I'm Bliss Young, a licensed midwife. Join us in our conversational style podcast where we talk about everything birth. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but we're happy that you're here. So here we go. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Love Day. <laughs> That's what I like to say, because maybe not everybody has a Valentine's, but we can all celebrate love. I've got my uh, good middle of the night shirt on. And I have. Very my, nice. Let's keep the dumb fuckery to a minimum today. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Speaking of dumb fuckery, I just need to get this off my chest. So I think I told you guys that um, that Santa Barbara and Ventura County, in terms of vital records, they are no joke. Like they, I never had anybody reach out to me in Los Angeles ever to register a birth. And here they're like so far up my butt, I can't even tell you. So I had I had that client that I've shared with you the story um, that was in the hospital, NICU, the whole thing. And they're like, you need to register her birth. And then they emailed me. They sent me a message. Then they went onto my website and sent me a message. So finally, I sent the woman a message back. And I said, I've gotten your multiple communications. And I promise you that I will register the birth by the 21 days as required. And she said, you have to have the paperwork in after two days. And I said, well, I cannot assure you that I will get the paperwork in after two days. I'm going to prioritize my self-care and my clients and my baby's well-being before paperwork. And I'm a, I am a licensed professional and I don't need someone <laughs> following up with me every two seconds. <laughs> am I, am I being a jerk? No, absolutely not. You are being a human being. These people are not. These people are they're They have blinders on. They're, they have administrative think going on in their head, and that's all they do is they have to get records. I still remember one time uh, when I was a resident. No, I was. Yeah, I was a resident at Cedars. So we're talking a long time ago. Um, there was a conflict going on with medical records about me signing a birth certificate. And for some reason, I, I didn't I, I couldn't get down there to sign it. So the chairman of the department went down to sign it, and then I got yelled at <laughs> because I didn't get down there fast enough to sign the birth certificate, as if as if that really mattered. But in the life of the person working in the vital records department, that's all that matters. I understand. Right. <laughs> but so she's not my boss, right? Am I missing something? Is she my boss? No. But the problem, okay. is, the problem is, is that she can cause you grief. If and she I don't put, register she, by 21 days. But other than that. It doesn't matter. She, they can they they can make your life miserable just because they want to. Not because they have any authority to do so. All they have to do is <laughs> report you and then you get a letter and then you have to respond to the letter and stuff like that. It's, you know, it's a crazy system. It's it's crazy. And I'm sorry about that, especially on this beautiful Valentine's Love Day morning. <laughs> I know. know and I start bitching. It's just been in my craw for days. I'm just so annoyed. But okay, yes. Well, let's bitching, focus bitching on the love. Bitching is something that we do on the podcast. Kvet kvetching? 
Touchy. <laughs> you know, you're not quite you're not quite a Yiddish speaker yet, but that's not bad. I don't I don't usually kvetch, but I should have a turn every now and then, I have to say. She said none of the other midwives seem to have a problem with this. And I wanted to say, well, <laughs> I'm not like the other midwives, I have to say, but I'm gonna leave that part out. Well, I'll I'll stay mysterious. <laughs> I, I think what the other midwives do is just just nod and say yes and then do what they want to do anyway. They just yeah. They it's appeasement. And you know what appeasement, it actually never works, but that's what they do. Okay, <laughs> so right. I have a couple things I want to get to before we get to our guest today. You want to say a couple words about our guest today before Alex I get to my things? Sure. Alex Evangeliti is um, my other work partner, funny enough. She was the one that um, I started the sanctuary with. And uh, I used to, we go to meetings, business meetings, and I'd say, this is my partner. And she'd say, business partner. And I was like, okay, who cares if they think we're lesbians? <laughs> but anyways, that's a side note. Alex has lots of funny stories about me and I have lots of funny stories about her because we uh, worked together for over a decade very, very closely. Um, and I had been talking to her about coming on and discussing natural fertility for a while. And then we had um, our NAPRO doc on last week, Naomi. And I didn't know that the focus was going to be on fertility, but I thought it would be kind of interesting to look at um, another level because I brought it up a couple of times when we were talking to her about how a midwife or an herbalist or someone who a naturopath might be addressing fertility that might be a little bit different than what we talked about with with Naomi. That's great. And you know what? I, I, I got a feeling this is going to be one of those podcasts where I'm not going to say too much because <laughs> oh, you, sure. you and Alex will just start talking and, and I'll just be listening and nodding and smiling, but, <laughs> but that's okay because I love Alex. Uh, she has taught me a lot of what I know in my transition from being a medicalized obstetrician to being a uh, much more, you know, honest and open uh, position. Uh, yeah medwife unicorn whatever you want to call uh, you know whatever you want to call me but oh you should yeah. say that while she's on <laughs> she'd love oh, to I hear will. that i, I okay. will i've got i i tell stories about alex when i do my reteach breach i've got a couple of anecdotes where she taught me certain things and it was really uh uh eye-opening for me and fortunately i was in the right mood to actually hear what she had to say so that that was good um okay and then real quickly our patreon today for our patreon listeners we're going to have christine loria on to just rehash the triplet birth that she did at home recently, which has been all over social media, and you probably have all seen it by now, but we're going to hear it from the horse's mouth. So that'll be kind of cool. Yeah, we're going to hear the story because storytelling is so important in how we learn. So awesome. So what's the thing I always tell people I remind them to do? Check their spam. Okay, so this is from Annie. This, <laughs> this is from Annie. She says, oh my gosh, you're right. It went to spam. <laughs> I was just listening to the podcast and you said, check your spam. So I did. And here you are. <laughs> and then, and then okay. she went on to answer the, you know, to respond to my response to her inquiry and stuff like that. But it's just another example of how many times I send off emails to people and never hear back. And they probably think that I'm such a dick because I didn't respond to them. <laughs> and, <laughs> And I'm just telling you, check your spam box because it's in there. Just telling you. Okay. Okay. Uh, also, you know what we haven't promoted in a while is our is our swag. So why don't you say a couple things about the Patreon page and the swag real quick? 
Um, well, I just ordered. I, I just ordered. I just ordered some so I can wear it on next week's podcast. Yeah, I still need to order mine. Um, well, we um, have some amazing things on our Patreon page for all of you, as we, you know, we've been talking about. But we would love for you to join the community. Um, Doctor Stu just did a deep dive into anti anti vaxxer, right, Stu? Yeah, I did. I don't know when they're going to post that, but I just had I just had to get something like you had to get something off of your chest. I had to get something off of my chest. So I I I, I read a letter about the definition of an anti-vaxxer and then I sort of tore it apart. <laughs> okay. So uh, join us for that. And then um, our Q&A is coming up at the end of this month where you get to be with us live and ask questions and be part of our private community. So we would love for you to come on to there. And also in our swag, we have amazing sweatshirts, t-shirts, um, mugs, bags, all kinds of fun stuff to show support to the podcast and let people know um, that you are part of the fellow travelers. Speaking of that too, I, I, I do want to acknowledge, uh, I am getting a lot of letters about jabs and, you know, some people have said to me, why don't you stay on topic with obstetrics? I've heard this from uh, one or two people and it's like, I write them back and I say, it is on topic. I mean, the organized medicine is recommending six vaccines while you're pregnant. Four shots, six vaccines. So to not discuss that would be to ignore the you know 800-pound gorilla on the coffee table. So uh, it is part of what we do. And, and a lot of you have questions about it because you're getting weird uh, information from, or any, if you're getting any information at all from your pediatric uh, people. So People reach out, and uh, it's something that has to come up every now and then. Okay. Speaking of your, it's interesting that you talked a little bit about administration and vital records and just record keeping because um, we did the we did a podcast a while back about the one hour prenatal visit. Mm -hmm. I think you remember that. And I've got a comment from somebody named Katie who said, "I love this." She says, "My current MFM has met me in person exactly one time over the last six months." He wrote down in our summary that we spent eight minutes together and he's yet to answer a single one of my questions. All right. So that brought, that just triggered something in my mind about dry labbing and falsifying records. You know what dry labbing is? Mm -mm. Okay. It's a term we use as residents when there's a space for the blood pressure, but you forgot to take it. So you just write in something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think with electronic medical records, a lot of times there's uh, some dry labbing that goes on. Mm -hmm. People are just filling in boxes without actually doing stuff. And it brought up some, just some stories that I just remember from my, from older days. Um, when doctors will say in their chart at the end of a visit, they'll say patient was counted, counseled on risks and benefits. Mm -hmm. And they'll write that in there. Mm -hmm. And of course it's not true. They didn't, but they put it in there. And once it's in the paper and written down, then should any be a dispute? Say, well, but it's written down on the paper. So we must've done it. Right. So that's cheating. Mm -hmm. And then um, the Down to Birth podcast did this sad story uh, of the baby that uh, ended up with a ruptured uterus and brain brain damage. And the mother had been complaining for a while. And she'd been on Pitocin. And apparently the hospital had then removed the word Pitocin or any reference to Pitocin from the patient's history. Um, that's one thing that happened. And again, wow. it's an abomination when they do stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I I remember one time uh, my partner Erwin Frankel rested uh, rest a blessed memory um, that he rest in peace. So I was going to say 
had a, had a woman, he was, we were doing a C-section, I was his assistant, and the baby came out and wasn't able to breathe. And it turned out the baby had a massive diaphragmatic hernia and never developed lungs, and the baby passed away. About a week or so after the birth, we get a copy of the 20-week ultrasound report, a new copy coming in the, in the, through the mail system that we had with Cedars-Sinai at the time. The, uh, and we had the old copy in the chart. So I looked them over, and it was exactly the same. Even the typos were the same. But the words, no gross anomalies, had been removed from the record. Mm -hmm. As if somebody was trying to avoid liability. You know, you're not liable for missing something like that. There's nothing you can do about it anyway. Mm -hmm. But they went and changed the chart. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I, I of course, being me being me, I reported it to the department. And because that person worked in the department, it was like nothing happened. You know, it's the it's like the two-tier justice system. If you're part of the good side, you don't ever get reprimanded. If I had done something like changed a medical record like that, they'd have come after me. Another example, when I was a resident, we used to do all the histories and physicals and all the post-op exams on, on, on our surgical patients. There was a woman who had a big surgery, and I, I was the GYN resident at the time, and I rounded on her every day, and I wrote a note. But Cedars had a rule that the attending physician needed to come in at least once every 24 hours and write a little note in the chart. It could have just been patient seen, doing well, scribble, 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 and that's it. All right. Well, there was one patient that was there for four or maybe even five days, and the attending had never come in to see her. So me being a little bit obsessive in those days, you imagine that, um, <laughs> I photocopied the chart. And the next day I came in and there were notes for all the days that weren't there before. So he'd come in on the fifth day and wrote notes for four, the four previous days as if he had been there. Yeah. And guess what happened to him? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. And then one other uh, administrative absurdity, when I was a third year, um, was I a resident? No, I was a medical student. I got to go to Bethel, Alaska for one of my rotations in a field hospital there. It was a tiny little hospital. We had a, 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 a surgery resident and a family practice doctor. And I think that, and me, <laughs> and that was it. And we would, we would take care of everything that was out in the field. And sometimes we'd actually fly out to pick up people or do clinics in the small villages. It was a great experience for me. Cool. But when somebody came into the hospital and had an x-ray, the surgeon or the family practice doctor would have to read the x-ray and we'd have to act on it, whether it was tuberculosis or broken bone or whatever. We would take care of it now. And then all the x-rays would be sent to a uh, radiology group in Seattle. And they would be read and we get a report back about two weeks later. <laughs> and that Seattle group was getting paid by the Alaska Native Health Service a large amount of money to read the films when they actually had no relevance anymore wow. because the patient was either, you know, still, you know, was either casted or got anti-tuberculosis drugs or we treated them, whatever we did. Um, and we had to, we had to do it on the spot and they got paid for it. And the poor <laughs> little, uh, you know, the, the doctors there and the, we, we, they got nothing, but they, yeah. they had, they had gotten in with somebody and they made it, that this made it, you know, it was a big group. They uh, lobbied for this, gig they got the gig and they made a fortune i'm sure this stuff and that kind of waste still goes on yes it does <laughs> okay 
So I have one more thing, which I want to read because it kind of ties in a little bit to uh, Alex coming on in, in just a few seconds. This is my, my summary says twins. One half was IVF. One half was natural overcoming instilled fear and finding Dr. Flores. So I thought I just want to, I want to read it as fast as I can. This is from Monica. Okay. Dear Dr. Stu and Midwife Bliss, I'm incredibly grateful for you and the community you've created for expectant mothers. Your impactful words and transparent information have given me the courage to take control of my pregnancy. I'm currently receiving care from Dr. Victoria Flores and her team at Birthing Instincts, and my husband and I are eagerly awaiting the arrival of our twins in May. After two and a half years of struggling with infertility, which included a miscarriage, three unsuccessful IUIs, two rounds of IVF, two failed embryo transfers, and laparoscopy, hysterectomy, and excuse me, oh, I think she means hysteroscopy, not hysterectomy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be wrong. For stage four endometriosis, my husband and I were finally blessed with twins. Um, our fertility specialist transferred only one frozen embryo in mid-August of 2023. She timed the transfer by allowing me to ovulate naturally 36 hours after a trigger shot. And then performing five DPO transfer, I don't even know what that means. As luck would have it, the ovulated egg also fertilized and implanted naturally on the same day as the transferred embryo. How interesting. We were both shocked and overjoyed to learn that we were expecting not just one, but two babies after years of heartbreak and disappointment. I get choked up with that too. Yeah. Although the fertility field is heavily medicalized and financially driven, it boasts a thriving and supportive community of patients and doctors. My own fertility doctor was incredibly understanding and patient, always willing to answer our questions and recognize the delicate balance between being a patient and a human being, as opposed to the lady in vital records. Okay. Um, <laughs> this sense of compassion and support extends to the larger community of women who openly share their struggles and provide comfort to one another, knowing that I was not alone in in my fertility journey brought me immense comfort. Regardless, it's inevitable to feel anxious, fearful, and lonely during due to infertility. I came to dislike my body and felt betrayed by its inability to do the one thing a woman is meant to do. Graduate, uh, graduating from the world of infertility and entering the world of OB was a different transition. Excuse me, a difficult transition. I empathize with women, including myself, who have suffered from infertility and were met with fear-based practices in the world of obstetrics. When an OB discusses the, quote, risks, unquote, in pregnancy, it only intensifies the already existing feelings of trauma. It feels as though they are exploiting the vulnerability of these women by using scare tactics to conform them to the mainstream birthing model. This leaves no room for proper healing and embracing the new stage of life. Instead, we are left feeling anxious and convinced that something bad will happen throughout the entire pregnancy. Yeah. Not just because of the fear tactics used by OBs, but also because our bodies have previously betrayed us. So they're saying that IVF moms are specifically vulnerable to being influenced by this anxiety and fear. Yeah. After a negative experience with my OB during my 10-week appointment, I blamed myself for my twins and fell into a deeper depression. I knew that my rights as a patient and a parent would not be respected, especially in the Bay Area of California. But then I found Dr. Victoria Flores. Dr. Flores and Birthing Instincts team have shown me my growing family and myself nothing but kindness, compassion, and support. I have the freedom to make decisions that are best for me and my twins during pregnancy and childbirth, rather than being pressured into something that does not align with my instincts or belief. Our fear and anxieties were put to rest, allowing us to properly heal and fully recognize the magnitude of the blessings that have happened and continue to happen in our lives. I've come to reappreciate my body and how it works in harmony with me rather than against me. And I truly believe I would not have reached this mindset if I had 
follow the mainstream model. And then she expresses her gratitude to you and me. But uh, thanks, Monica. I just, you want to- Congratulations. You want to just say anything? Oh, I just think it's so cool that she has one baby that was naturally conceived <laughs> and one baby that was through um, infertility treatment. I think that that's so amazing. It just shows you like, you know, that sometimes when, when the time is right, things come to you, you know, and it just happened to be everything I aligned come, I wonder if they'll come out labeled. <laughs> which one's which? <laughs> I wonder if they will be able to tell. That'll be in, that's an interesting I question. Have, I don't think there'll be any way to tell. And you said she's in the Bay Area, which means that she's pretty far from Victoria. Yeah, she's probably getting care and then and then coming down, or maybe they moved down. Oh. I don't really know exactly how they how that happened. Yeah, but I'm just saying that that you know they just pig pile on the fear. I'm sure she went at the 10 week appointment, and the doctor already was laying on her about twins and about you know, how dangerous that is and how we're going to have to take your babies early and there's a risk of this and risk of that. You know, even though they're die-die twins, um, they the doctors just don't know stuff. So, yeah, right. Anyway, yeah. I just thought it was a cool story. And because we talked to Naomi Whitaker a couple weeks ago and now we're talking to Alex today about fertility, I just thought I'd read that letter. Great, thank you. Bliss. What is Element? L-M-N-T. It's an amazing sponsor, first of all. We love them so much. But it's a tasty electrolyte drink with all of the good stuff and none of the BS, like... Us. That's right. <laughs> I taught you well. <laughs> it is. It, it's got a lot of uh, good salts in it and uh, no sugar. I even uh, took a little notes here and they have um, 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium, which helps maintain... Fluid balance, regulates your blood pressure, and supports muscle function, mood, and bone health. Which is great for pregnant mamas, breastfeeding moms, and absolutely for birth workers. So make sure that you have some in your in your birth bag if you need it or if your clients do in labor. For sure. Electrolyte deficiency or imbalances can cause like headache, cramps, fatigue, and weakness, especially in the birthing world. You know, a long time when we, before what I used to do it, but you still do. <laughs> You have a lot of sleep after being up all night and snacking on like not such good food sometimes. And I carry it with me whenever I travel and I add it to my water, like in the hotel room and stuff. And I spent a lot of time recently in hotel rooms. It's a great sponsor and they've, they've been doing really well and I'm really proud to be um, supporting them. They have multiple flavors. Your uh, favorite is raspberry, right? Raspberry is mine and yours is mango chili. Yeah. But I, I do have I do have some sad news. Aw. So long, old friend, to Lemon Habadero. Oh, man. They discontinued it? So they could concentrate on citrus salt, raspberry salt, orange salt, raw unflavored, mango chili, chocolate salt, and watermelon salt. Maybe they're going to come out with some new stuff, too. But I trust <laughs> Elements. I trust that the, uh, they've done a deep dive into the research. They put their whole soul into it. We would like you to go to Drink Element. That's drinklmnt.com backslash birthing instincts, all one word. And when you do that, you'll get a free sample pack with your every order. Go do it. Go do it. Okay, let's bring Alex in. I see Hi, it. Alex. That that gift must be like 15 years old. I know, but this, this necklace that I'm wearing today, if you guys are on Patreon with us, you'll get to see us. And Alex's sweet face looking at the lovely... 
gift that she gave me. I was saying that um, we have so many funny stories about each other, I'm sure, from being, <laughs> um, I was talking about how I we would go to business meetings and I'd say, this is my partner. And you'd be like, business partner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. But here's another funny story about Alex. I, I love telling the story about Alex. So I used to be the bookkeeper at the sanctuary. You know, I did all the marketing and business stuff. And Alex was the master of the clinical part of everything. And so Alex sometimes would come in to my office while I was crunching numbers, which takes a particular part of your brain. And she would want acknowledgement or <laughs> she would want to process something. And I'd be like, Alex, I can't do this right now. So we had, we had a, like a, a woman that we worked with a good friend of mine, Kelly, who would help us kind of talk through like, kind of like a, a relationship coach for business people. And so we were talking about this and Alex was needing acknowledgement for something. And, and so she was like, well, what can we do? And I was like, do you want like a gold star or something? Like you can walk <laughs> in and I'll just give you a gold star and then you feel acknowledged and I can move on with what I'm doing. And she goes, no, what I want, what I want is an owl wing. <laughs> <laughs> you remembered. And, and I was like, uh, you, feather, what, you, like feather, buy owl feather. wings on Amazon or something. I'll just keep them in my drawer for you. Like, <laughs> okay, like on in, in fairness, this was 15 years ago, right? Like a long time ago, different stage stage of maturity. <laughs> Anyways, it's one of my funny stories of Alex. Um, so Stu's gonna read your bio so people can get to know like the professional side of you, not just my jokey side, but. Yeah, because because we're so efficient here that five minutes before we come on air, Bliss says, you did print out Alex's bio so you could read it, didn't you? <laughs> and, exactly. And like, and like five minutes before that, she texted you for your bio. So <laughs> Yeah, I know. We're, we're so efficient here. You know, I listen to some other podcasts, like my our friends on Down to Birth, and I and I see how slick their podcast is and their editing and stuff like that. I'm just jealous. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we can become slick if you want to. No, no, I no, no, we, I, I like it. the way we do it. What, what Alex? Yours is very de-arming, right? It's so organic. It's so natural that I, <laughs> it doesn't feel pretentious and I'm not right. saying the other podcasts are, but oh, they saying, aren't, but yeah, some are maybe, but the point I'm trying to say is it's, it's relatable. Good. Thank That's you. what people say. They feel like they're sitting and talking with friends, which is how we want it. Right. Yes. Laughing and crying. Yes, right. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing most of the crying, by the way. That's the kvetching. And kvetching. Okay. So Alex, I know who you know who you are, but I'm gonna read this anyway, because so our listeners know. <laughs> Alex Evangelidi, LMCPM, has been working in birth for over 20 years. She began her work in birth while maintaining her presence as a nutritionist and as an herbalist and educator for Gaia Herbs. A firm believer and proponent in living a sustainable lifestyle, she utilizes her years of experience in nutrition to support her clients in having an extraordinary sense of wellness while preparing for conception or to experience the healthiest pregnancy possible. I will testify to all that. Amen. She's taught me a lot. She has become a GAPS, you'll have to explain that, certified practitioner so that she can support her clients in having the healthiest biomes possible prior to delivery. This is also a large part of her preconception work. Having studied pre and perinatal psychology and birth, Alex brings to her clients a profound sense of trust in their own bodies while supporting them in this tremendous period of transformation. She's also a student of Ellen Heed's STREAM program, you'll have to explain that one too, which supports the healing of the perineum 
and remediation of scar tissue and pelvic floor repair. Over the years, Alex has worked with over 3,000 clients. Did you count them, Alex? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is, I, I probably is, would have. I probably would have. Opened and operated as clinical director at the Sanctuary Birth and Family Wellness Center with our co-host, Bliss. Uh, Goddess Bliss, excuse me. Trained over 25 student midwives. That's true. And has contributed to several document. I'm sure it's all true, but... And has contributed to several documentaries and publications on birth-related topics. When we were in together, by the way. Mm -hmm. More business of being born, you and I. We were both in that. She's also an avid biohacker and loves integrating her work and her passion. She's currently expanding her offerings to online virtual class formats, as well as birth, mentorship, and virtual consults. And on Instagram, you list yourself as a midwife, a mama, to lovely Juno, a fierce feminist, an ambassador through the cosmos, which I love. <laughs> so welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm like Twitter pated a little bit. This is like Yay. exciting to be here. We're excited to have you. And and you have been a mentor to both of us. We've learned so much from you that over the years of recording the podcast, I thought about having you on several times to talk about nutrition. Um, and today we really want to pick your brain, so to speak, and hear your perspective on fertility, because we've done a couple of podcasts. Um, a couple weeks ago, we did one with a NAPRO doctor, and we talked to a young midwifery student who worked in an infertility clinic about some of the downsides, um, although many people have miracles happen within that system. From my perspective, many people are feeling like they're infertile or feel like they have to move to the medical system when there's a lot that we can do naturally with lifestyle, nutrition, um, <clears throat> supplementation, mindset to get ourselves ready to conceive. So um, I know that this is one of the specialties of your practice. And so I'm really excited to share your wealth of knowledge with our listeners. Me too, actually. Um, I feel like I wish more people had this information. I wish more people... <laughs> looked at their inability maybe to get pregnant as an opportunity to explore not just, you know, the mess methods of IVF, which is kind of a force message method, and just like actually look at the why. Like why are we not conceiving? You know, what are the and there are some clinical reasons, but I think, you know, in nature, if we look at that physiological birth model in nature, if the environment or the host can't sustain a pregnancy, it won't. And we don't look at that. We look at the objective, which is baby, 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 right? I think there's that biological imperative. I want to be a mother. I want to grow. I feel it. I need it in our bodies, right? It's part of our design. But when it's not happening, instead of looking at like the deeper reasons, we just go to the force method. And I don't, it's just not that's not that that's like hmm like i just I, i'm i like to ask questions and the big one is well why not why isn't this working you know yeah we there was just a meme that that came out with one of our podcasts i don't remember which one where i, I think my my thing was about the medical model it like likes to treat disease but they don't even care to look at the underlying root cause of what causes the, the problem and and so you know diabetes skyrocketing right now and our overall health is not well in the population especially in the united states uh, as compared to a lot, most of the other, you know, European countries. Um, and yet all we want to do is treat it because treating generates revenue and finding the underlying cause 
is is that 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 wouldn't be that i mean it would be helpful to the population so it kind of tells you where the current medical system is when it comes to things because it's looking at it's not looking to make people healthier yeah. it's really not and that's where you know it was great having naomi on because she takes a, a different approach to it as well but even her stuff is is a lot of it is 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 medical stuff resolving underlying these things where you're going to, where I hope that you're going to come to uh, tell our listeners a little bit about why, why we're in such a situation and how we can maybe fix it from the, uh, from the, from the root or the base up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I like to do. You know? So when people come to me, I send them a questionnaire and in the questionnaire, you know, there's lots of different, um, very, pivotal questions about how they're pooping and, <laughs> right like i know we look at like the vital signs that science says are important like your pulse your blood pressure and your heart rate and your temperature but i think there are other ones that are much more relevant like how are you pooping how does your your gut feel after you eat do you bloat um what's your skin like the skin is like you know, I, I, always where I, I look first is I like, are, is it bruising? Is it, are there like staph infections? Is it dry? Is it, is it like robust? Does your skin look good? Um, pimples, acne, right? Like you can only assume that what's on the outside of our body is also what's going on on the inside, the whole alimentary canal, our mouth, what's happening in our mouth. Um, are the gums receding? Does the breath smell um, when you, are your teeth loose? Are the gums bleeding? Like there's, there's so much information here. If you just look at Chinese medicine, they look at your tongue. It's the first thing they do. They feel your pulse. They look at your tongue. And Bliss, I'm sure you know, when you're feeling your client's pulses, it starts to give you information, right? It's like, wow, this pulse is strong and it's beating hard. And then there'll be those pulses. You're like, I can't even find it. It's like, I know it's there because you're breathing, but I can't even access it because it's so faint, right? And you don't have to be a pulse diagnosti um, to understand what each of these things feels like. And so for me, I'm, I'm asking these questions. I'm asking clients, like, do you cook on Teflon, right? Like, I think for a lot of people, it's the first time, like, they've even questioned it is... When they're being asked it, um, are you um, drinking water? What kind of water are you drinking, right? Are we just drinking bottled water, bottled water that's been sitting in plastic that's, you know, that's got its own issues associated with it? Um, are you foggy headed? Like, do you forget things? Do you get headaches? Like, right, Stu, do we need to do some preconception work on you? <laughs> Uh, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have changed my water though. I don't drink bottled water anymore. I filter it except when, you know, occasionally when you're out, you have to buy water, but that's a big one. That's, that's a big one. Um, our, our, you know, everything I've talked about this on the podcast before, but the ingredients in our foods is so different than the ingredients in the foods, similar foods in, in other countries. We add stuff, stuff that is not necessary. You know, and you take a, a, you know, you take, you buy a bag of rolls and a week later, they're not moldy. Yeah, that's concerning. 
Yeah, it's a bit concerning. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the and the poop thing got got to me too. Right. And you want to talk well, about your poop? <laughs> no, no. Well, no, not mine. But I'm saying that everyone here who's listening should probably like start to think when you said that. They're thinking, hmm. You know, uh, I'm not as regular as I should be, or you know, my poop smells more than it's supposed to, or it's floating in the toilet, or whatever. I mean, it's not something usually. I haven't really seen a podcast where they talk about poop that much, so maybe we can undwell on that a little bit. And then your question about Teflon is really cool because yeah. you know, I I think if you pay attention and you and you watch the things on your Instagram feed and you follow people like you and I and Bliss follow, you 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 know things about that stuff, but most people don't. They just think it's easy to clean, so let's just use it. Yeah. Well, cleaning products, right? Here's another one. Like all, all of these things outside of our body um, have such exogenous chemicals in them that are impacting our endocrine system. And when you look at the, you know, you talked about diabetes, but autoimmune disease in this country is absurd. It's absurd. And it's affecting women so much more. And all of these things that you think are not such a big deal, like, oh, you know, essential oils, aren't they great? They're so medicinal, right? Essential oils sure, sure had their moment, didn't they? Um, but when you realize how concentrated those volatile oils are of the plant, you would never have that level of exposure in nature. And I always go back to the nature model because it's, you know, I mean, when you love physiological birth, when you look at that as the model by which to kind of aspire to, right? The normal, the natural, the um, unadulterated experience, we have to look at that in our food as well. And we have to look at that in our exposures and in the products that we're putting on our skin and in the foods that we're eating like as close to nature as possible has never been wrong. It has never been wrong. And you have lots of science to really point to that, you know, um, Weston Price is one of my like, like foundational mentors and um, his observation. Do you guys want to talk about this just for a moment? Yeah. Okay. So he was a dentist in the twenties and he had a pretty diverse population of patients. Um, the poor patients who lived on the farm, who basically ate what they grew and what they milked. And he had the more affluent patients who lived in the city and ate industrialized food and industrialized uh, factory farm dairy. So, you know, cows that were fed lots of antibiotics and hormones because, you know, they were being overmilked and overproduced. And what he found is that the people who lived on the farm had like great teeth, no cavities, nice wide spacing in the palate. And his patients that lived in the city that were eating industrialized food had like very crooked teeth, lots of cavities, you know, and and, and uh, a crowding of the palate. He went to the American Dental Association. He's like, look at this. This is really interesting data. And they're like, we'll fund your research. And he said, no, thanks. You would really appreciate him, Stu. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> he spent the next 10 years traveling to different remote populations that live like in the mountains or way on like this like very cold fishing village um and what did they eat and what did their teeth look like and what were their pelvises like and what he found is before the introduction of these industrialized processed white flour white sugar foods 
these people who had no dentists and no OBs and right, like they had great teeth and they were eating things like fermented dairy and a lot of butter and raw milk and raw cream and maybe some sourdough bread and like had very, very short growing seasons. So maybe they had some potatoes and they were eating organ meats and they were eating animal fat, lots and lots of animal fat. And they had great dental spacing. And then as soon as they started getting more of the industrialized food into their diets, you start to see some of the compromise in the palate and some of the compromise in the pelvis as well. There was another uh, contemporary of him, uh, Pottinger, who did the same kind of research, but with cats. And he found that cats' faces changed and their palates changed with the um, advent of uh, introducing the same kind of industrialized food for animals. And so we look at this model and we have to look at like what is diet fad in our culture today, right? Like you see a lot of people who lean in the vegetarian diet or are in the kind of, you've seen veganism, you've seen raw food, like all these really uh, interesting health fads, right? And I've, I've experimented with all of them at different times. And unfortunately, because you and I do not have cellulase in our digestive tract, we are actually not digesting the cellulose that makes up all these beautiful plants. What ends up happening is, and this is with like a bang in digestion. If your digestion is great at the very best, these foods become um, cleansers for our gut. So you have people who lean so heavily into these uh, vegetarian and vegan diets who are eating healthy food. But unfortunately, they're not metabolizing the nutrients locked inside the cell wall of the plant. And what you'll see over time is deficiency. They just stop feeling good, right? Whereas you see people, um, you've probably also heard of the carnivore diet, right? Like that's another fad. And what happens when you're eating animal fats that have lots of nutrients, vitamin A, D, K2, and zinc, these Plant, uh, these animal fats, they were very hard to get in a vegetarian diet, but in animal fat, your body can really access them and they're critical nutrients for, for our own fertility. But what you see is people leaning into these animal diets because they're getting sick from everything else that they're eating, right? Like a lot of gut issues that we see from people who are eating a high vegetable diet. So these mono diets are great for a period of time because what they do is they end up reducing the inflammation in the body. There's a, a really interesting guy I follow on Instagram, Carnivore Aurorius, and he tells his story about how every diet, he was just getting sicker and sicker and sicker and looked weak and malnourished. And then he just started eating meat. And after a month, all of his health issues went away. So and what, go ahead. Well, I would say over time, that's not going to be sustainable, right? Like you can do this for a period of time, these mono diets, and typically the body will restore itself, but we still do need carbohydrates. We still do need to access um, the nutrients that are found in the colors and the foods that we eat. Yeah. The rainbow a day that I talk about that came from Alex. She taught me that one. So Stu, I have a question for you. I'm shocked. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> what is one thing in a woman's pregnancy that she can control? Because so much is out of our control. Uh, her nutrition? That's right. 
And we are so excited to be partnered with such an amazing company as needed because they have focused on pregnancy, postpartum as being some of the most nutritionally demanding time in a woman's life. And it can be influenced by her nutrition status. So they support women during this time with all kinds of amazing products. Their line just has so many options. So make sure and check them all out. But Stu's going to tell us a little bit about um, their immune support because it's turning fall and we need that a little bit more right now during this time. Yeah, Needed has an immune support, uh, which is a popular choice right now with all the back to school germs and heading into the winter when we all tend to get sick more frequently. And the people ask sometimes, well, if I'm pregnant, can I take this product? And of course, yes, it was formulated uh, for pregnant mamas in mind. So it's uh, recommended and safe in pregnancy. Support is intended to complement, not replace other products that they offer as well. So it's just one of those things that you add to your, you know, your prenatal vitamins, your probiotic, your maybe your stress support, your sleep and relaxation support. But Bliss, I wanted to talk about something else today. Don't forget the men. That's right. We love the men. Right. So they have a sperm support, uh, men's pre and probiotic. And they say men play a critical role in conception and healthy pregnancies. I, I, I imagine that's true. <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah. Preconception health can significantly impact both fertility outcomes and also the health of their future children. Needed's men fertility plan is a must for couples trying to conceive to support the multiple components of fertility, including sperm health, gut health, optimal nutrient levels, and testosterone levels, which, by the way, are falling worldwide. So you can do this and it works. Why not? I trust Needed's products with my patients because they use scientifically studied ingredients and perform rigorous third-party testing. And unlike other products on the market, Needed designs their products from the ground up using the latest research and insights from men's fertility practitioners. So, you know, we are a woman's podcast mostly, but I don't want those dads to feel excluded. So head over to thisisneeded.com and use code birthinginstincts for 20% off your one-time order. That's right. Thanks, Needed. Um, <clears throat> so what, what I'm hearing you say is that where you're starting is just getting people healthy in general, having nothing to do necessarily specifically with looking at the fertility aspect of it, but just looking at fertility comes inside of a body that is overall healthy. So starting with the foundational pieces of getting that person to be optimally healthy will create an environment for them to become hopefully fertile. Yes. 100%. That but you, what about all the people who eat shit and live in the Midwest and, you know, are having ho-hos and sodas and don't take good care of themselves and they just are popping out babies? Like, it's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't have an answer for you, honestly. Um, but I can tell you this. They may be popping out babies, but they're not healthy babies. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, I've always felt like we don't need more babies. We need healthier babies. And the very best way to produce a healthy baby to healthy offspring is to actually create health within the, the host. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so much of what we pass on genetically or epigenetically is, you know, like that we come from good stock. Remember the ones that are here, you and I and Stu, we're the ones that survived. So we're the healthier genes overall. 
right? Do you understand? Like so many of our ancestral genes have passed on because they couldn't survive in this world. But we are the outcome of the healthiest versions of our ancestry line. Mm-hmm. So I just think that's relevant. But in terms of cancer rates in children, you know, like it's it's absurd. That's a lot of ho-ho eating. Yes. <laughs> a lot of environmental stuff that's out of our control in some ways too, right? But I think it's both. I think it's both yeah. of those. It's like you are not producing healthy offspring if you are eating shit. And it's not just you, your baby. I mean, it's also you. It's like I, I when I look at helping somebody, helping a family um, with their conception, I'm really not just interested in you getting pregnant. I'm interested in what is your life going to be in 10 years as a result of the lifestyle changes that you have made today, right? I, I look at pregnancy as kind of a peripheral outcome of a healthy body. And if we're not able to conceive, there's something missing in in the in the host itself that the body's mm-hmm. like that's metabolically too much for me to both sustain the host and growing a human. That's so much, right? You know, we've grown three of them. <laughs> it is like the metabolic demands of growing a baby inside of us is is extraordinary. Uh, demands in emotional, physical, spiritual, all of it, but yes. Um, Okay. So, so you go through some of this, this foundational pieces to determine what's going in their body, how their body is processing it, how their skin is looking, all of that. What's the next step that you take them through? Well, the, the biggest thing is the gut. We have to start there and that's not like an instant fix. Mm -hmm. However, um, you mentioned in my bio, I'm a GAPS practitioner. So GAPS was developed by a doctor, Natasha Campbell McBride, and she is straight off the Eastern Bloc. And she had a child who was autistic. This was like 20 something years ago when it was still unusual. And she went, she was like, how do I, I need to fix this, right? And she kind of started with the FODMAP diet, which is a low inflammation diet. And she took it a step further. So the two foundational principles, I want to actually, let me take one step back in a vaginal birth, right? A baby sucks, swallows, inhales all of the vaginal microbiome, right? They swallow it. It goes in their gut and they start to implant the whole gastrointestinal lining with these bacteria and pterocytes. And this becomes the immune system of the child, right? You add in breastfeeding um, you add in uh, a mom doing skin to skin, right? All this uh, juicy sharing of microbiota, and you are setting a child up for optimal life on planet Earth, right? And there's great data to suggest that the three most impactful things that support the health and well being of a child are a vaginal birth, no antibiotics in labor, skin to skin, and breastfeeding. These are the most important things that we can do or give our child. Now, this there's no shame when a C-section is necessary. So, you know, you don't always have the um, opportunity to, to have a vaginal birth. We, we see it. It just doesn't always work out. However, vaginal seeding would be the next 
best thing that you can do. And sometimes women do get antibiotics at birth, and sometimes that's important. So we now need to continue to implant in the child with bifidobacteria. Uh, infantis is really important um, because when a woman receives antibiotics in labor or a baby gets antibiotics right after birth, all of this beautiful microflora, thousands, thousands of bacteria, of species, right? Thousands of species, millions of bacterial cells are missing. And that is a, a critical piece in dictating the health of this child, their immune system, their digestion, asthma, autism. Um, you have, I mean, there, there's diabetes, like all of these things really at this critical phase are implanted, right? You're kind of dictating the trajectory of this child's well-being. We can impart by adding things to this, but if we miss these critical stages, you're not really optimizing your child's health and well-being. So in a normal, healthy environment, child would be getting all of this bacteria. It goes into their gut. It embeds itself into the gut junctions. The bacteria kind of it becomes a wall between the bloodstream of the baby and the intestinal lining, right? And for children who do not get this, we do see a lot more reactions to teratogenic substances like those found in vaccines. And I, I want to say, like, I, I actually don't believe vaccines cause autism. I believe that when there's an unhealthy gut, what ends up happening, because the child cannot process and excrete the toxins through the normal pathway of pooping, those toxins go back through those ju gut junctions that never got sealed. They circulate in the bloodstream and they cross the blood brain barrier. So in other words, in, vaccines do cause autism. <laughs> in, an, in, a, in, a, Indirectly. in a susceptible baby, in a baby that is not able to, to uh, process right. the toxins. And that, and that comes from the, the gut theory. And that's like, we've talked about this on the podcast before, that there's there's problems in processing these heavy metals and these other things. Uh, and there's leakages and diseases like Crohn's disease and lots of skin diseases didn't exist 75, 100 years ago. And this is when we have to start, you know, I loved how you started this conversation, Alex, is the curiosity of like, we need to be asking why instead of just continuing to like address these diseases and putting band-aids on it. We need to say like, what is happening as a global community that this is increasing so drastically, you know? Yeah. And if I could, if I, before you go on, I, I just want to add, Please. I take notes. This is what I do when you're talking and, and <laughs> you talked about the use of antibiotics and, and, you know, the indiscriminate use of antibiotics and the overuse of antibiotics, which is something that, you know, my, a lot of my fellow colleagues in OB don't even think downstream. They, they'll give a dose of antibiotics as prophylaxis for surgery in a non in a sterile surgical procedure, a woman having an elective scheduled cesarean section, the minute the cord is clamped, we'll get we'll get a or uh, you know not even before the cord is clamped, they'll get a preoperative dose of one gram of ANCEF or or some cephalosporin, because there's been articles that said that this decreases wound infection, right? And maybe it does, and maybe it doesn't. But the bottom line is they're giving antibiotics, and they're giving antibiotics without any thought about what happens. To the microbiome it's not it's not even considered and then the microbiome the way you described it alex just something triggered in my head was hg wells's um war of the worlds mm. 
And we earn our, our right to survive on this planet, all right, by, you know, evolution. And when you start to monkey with evolution, then you can really mess things up. And the way that the War of the Worlds was won was not by all the military might in the world. It was won by bacteria, and the aliens didn't have any protection against it. And when we take away this bacteria that's supposed to protect us, that lives in harmony with us, in synergy with us, and we indiscriminately don't consider that to be a factor, and we give antibiotics, or we take babies to the nursery, and we don't do skin-to-skin, -skin, or we don't do delayed cord clamping, we don't do any of that stuff, um, we're essentially inv you know, being invaded from, from Mars. I mean, we're like invaders from Mars. We don't, we don't really belong in the, micro, uh, the, the, the microsystems of the, of the planet. We're changing everything. We are changing everything. Yeah, and we aren't quite evolving at the rate that the environment is, you know, and that's, that's I think, a big reason why you're seeing a lot of these cancers and autoimmune diseases. It's like we haven't quite adapted yet, you know, and therefore I believe it's culling of the population. I think it's an, a normal and natural culling of the population. You know, the environment itself has to reboot itself and it's got to remove <laughs> the the problem in, in some ways to do that you know yeah yeah um, but there's really no real question that there's such contamination in our food supply at this point you know we've become so disconnected from the food that we eat we we eat out a lot the food that we're eating out has terrible oils in it and that's destroying our gut lining. That's destroying our immune system. It's causing autoimmune disease that it's creating enormous amounts of inflammation in the body. So, you know, the, the brain isn't going to function. The body is just not thriving. We're not in a state of thriving. And when you go back to the hearth in the kitchen and you simply start making your own food where you can control as much of the ingredients as possible, you will regain your health, you know. And we have to start moving our body. That's another problem. You know, we've become a stagnant race of individuals who don't go in the sun because we're afraid that we're going to get skin cancer when that's our star. <laughs> okay. We are dictated by this. If this goes away, we are screwed. We need sunshine. It is as critical a nutrient as fat, as minerals, as carbohydrates. Um, and I don't know about you, Bliss, but like with my babies, when my clients give birth, I'm like, okay, so we're not going to do the 50 SPF shirt and we're not going to put slather your kid in sunscreen and put the sun hat on. These kids become basically allergic to the sun. Their vitamin D levels are really low, terribly low. It's going to affect bone development. Um, but when you get sun as a baby, I mean, we start by like, I do like the baby rotisserie. Your baby's born, give them a minute each side, five times a day, all different phases of sunlight, right? And you don't need the billy blankets and you don't, you know, like they will thrive. It's like, look at your animals. They go in the sun and they're like, oh, yeah, this feels good, right? Um. I think we need to rethink our relationship to light in general, you know, and again, we go back to that questionnaire. I'm like, how much blue light are you exposed to every day? 
You know, when you are chronically exposed to blue light, it's affecting the mitochondria, which is basically the brain inside your cells. And it's disrupting our hormones. It's uh, affecting our ability to sleep, which is another vital sign that I look at. If you can't sleep, we have a problem. That means your your whole circadian rhythm is off. It's going to be tough to be pregnant with a situation like that. You, You know, the body needs sunlight just like the plants do. What is blue light? Blue light is the wave of um, artificial light that is emitted out of our technology. It is now what's in every LED bulb, right? Like, I don't know if you guys have followed the outlawing. Stu, you would love this. The, the, the They've basically outlawed anything but LED lights. Yeah, they got rid of the bulbs, incandescent bulbs, right? Right. I mean, <laughs> so so right now my ring light is bombing, bombarding me in blue light. Is that correct? Yeah. All right, I'm turning it off. (laughs) You know what else? You just took 10 years off your face. You look great. (laughs) I don't have any ring light. How come I have the best light of all of us? Because I'm sitting in front of a window. Because you have a window, right? You have sunlight. sunlight. There you go. (laughs) Well, Alex, I mean, you... This is how it is to just listen to you. I, I love that uh, our listeners are getting a, a taste of you because you just are such a wealth of information. And I, we could talk to you for like nine hours, probably on all of these subjects, like all of them, you know, could be a podcast in themselves. But I want to bring us back to um, how you manage uh fertility for your clients beyond the the foundational stuff what do you do when you've kind of addressed all these issues and you still have someone who's having i sent a woman to you recently who had had uh three subsequent miscarriages um because i knew that she needed more than what i had to offer because when people come to me i start with the basics and i talk about the mental health part of it and the spiritual part of it and like just easing up and and not assuming that we're going to have a problem with fertility. But when it starts to get like, okay, there's really something going on. I know that I have limitations inside of my knowledge base. And so I sent them to you. So when you, when you address some of that foundational stuff, what are, what's the next level of like testing or, or supplements or things that you do to help a woman optimize her fertility? You know, I wish I could share with you some of the reports that I give my clients back. We go through the questionnaire. We dig into trauma. We dig into uh, mental, emotional stuff. We deal with the relationships with our own parents. Um, you know, it's it's majority is the physical. Then there's the mental, emotional. Um, and for the most part, people get pregnant. Right. That's what I find, too. It's like once we've really yeah. unpacked and they've committed to their well-being, I've had very few people that haven't been able to conceive naturally. And um, I do like blood tests in some ways, um, but not. it's so unreliable. You know, I feel like it's very limiting to look at us in um, a vial of blood that, you know, if you draw your blood at eight in the morning, you draw it again at nine at night, you're going to get two very different reads. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, I, I don't like minimizing people into what the lab gives me back. I feel like that's very two-dimensional and really where there's power is how are you feeling now? How does it feel? Is the inflammation going down in your body? Are you still in pain? 
we should not be in chronic pain. If we are in chronic pain, there's like the body's talking. It's constantly in communication with us. Um, so it, to me, these are the benchmarks by which I'm like, I think you're ready, right? Like does the, you, you address the diet, you address the biome, you start to embody. A lot of these people are afraid of their bodies or haven't got a good relationship with their own physicality. They would be what I would call not embodied or they are aggressively embodied because they work out every day for two hours a day. And that's its own issue, you know, and it's really about recalibrating to what balance is. I, I think we just live in a very fast paced culture and society that deems um, what you can produce as the progress of like your value as a human being. And when we start stepping out of that chronic state of cortisol in our bodies, right, where we're fucking constantly rushing to get to the next place and we start breathing, we start oxygenating our body more. That's bringing more blood to all the organ systems. It's this slowing down. It's this nourishing that the outcome speaks for itself, right? Suddenly you have like great ovulatory discharge. Suddenly your fucking libido is on fire. It's not because I supplemented you. It's because you changed what you were putting in your body and you changed how you were living your life. Like, honestly, yes, I will draw blood. Okay. From time to time, I do want to see if there's parasites, but again, if the body gets healthy, the body resolves the parasites. This is a very also traditional Chinese medicine perspective, right? Um, occasionally we will do some mycotoxin removal, right? Occasionally we'll do things like that. Um, I do like to look at the thyroid. Um, I see probably 15% of my clients uh, as undiagnosed Hashimoto's and a lot of hypothyroidism. People had no idea. And, you know, I think it's relevant to look at these so that we can kind of in individualize the care plan to bring them back into balance if that's possible. Um, I think we like... I just want to speak about Hashimoto's for a moment. I think that there are um, attacks that have happened on our bodies. Either we've had certain viruses or we've been exposed to mold or um, a lot of times we've had to get uh, vaccines for various reasons. And we see that these things can impact the thyroid function um, or can create thyroid antibodies. But it, it, you know, it can be helpful to figure out what the antagonist was so that you can do some very specific detox for that. Um, but that's not always going to, you know, it's not like you're always going to figure out, aha, this is what the problem was. And here's the solution. It comes in a pill or a bottle. I just, I don't have a huge amount of faith in that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that their functional medicine is amazing. You're going to end up spending hundreds and thousands of dollars in supplements, you're going to be taking pills. And I really, I just don't believe the answer is in pills. Some things I think are important, relevant, relevant, like somebody's MTHFR. I really do believe that it's valuable to take the methylfolate products. I just see less midline defects when people have done that. Most people mm -hmm. don't know if they have MTHFR unless they're, you know, Googling it or end up um, somehow like, finding it on their pathway to their own vitality. 
right. or already pregnant and, and 10, 10, 12 weeks pregnant and getting that result. So it's, it's hard to do so that unless it's ahead of time. Yeah. You can't go backwards, right? Like at mm -hmm. that point, the neural tubes already developed any kind of midline defects have kind of already begun their entrainment and development. Yeah. yeah. So it is nice. It is great. Actually, I love working with people with preconception because it's like, look, I know at some point I want to have a baby. You know, it's the urgent. I need to have a baby now. People that I struggle the most with because it's like you lived 35, 40 years one way. And now it's like, you know, why, why am I not getting pregnant? It's like, well, smoking and drinking and eating processed food and like, you know, partying like it's 1999. Like, I don't know, like these ways of these behaviors are cumulative in the damage that they do to our body and to our cells, you know, like being on pre uh, birth control for 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. You know, like that's a long time to tell your body that there's a system override. You know, it takes some time to come back to stasis. And when you are in stasis, conception is much more readily available. If your body's in fight or flight, if your body's in survival, which I think the majority of us are, I really do believe that. <laughs> Even me sometimes, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect. Um, but well, you live in LA, Alex. No. <laughs> it's it's really hard fight. not to be fight or flight there. It is. I know. It I'm is. <laughs> I'm a car lately. Um, but that's why it's like, okay, this is where I think biohacking comes in, honestly, because you have these tools and resources that can move the needle in a very fast-paced world. Bliss, it's time to talk about one of our favorite sponsors, BirthFit. Yeah, tell us all about it. Well, BirthFit is more than just a place where you can exercise. Just like us, they educate our professionals and the general population in the realm of women's health. They're industry leaders in preconception, prenatal, postpartum, and women's fitness. And they have a new program. Um, they have a course in becoming a BirthFit coach. Everything you need to know about BirthFit coach course, course is there on the BirthFit website. This course is the only holistic nervous system focused functioning, functional training certification for those coaching women inside the motherhood transition. That was a mouthful. Why become a birth fit coach? Well, it can fuel your passion. You can grow your business. It's work-life balance. Be your own boss. Set your own schedule and build a business around your values. Live on a mission. Join a community of coaches on a mission to change the lives of women all over the world. So they also, Bliss, have their great fitness programs. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, but that sounds amazing. I think if you guys are working with women to learn from BirthFit and how to integrate um, the body can be amazing. But if you're a mama and you are wanting to know how you can best support your body during pregnancy, this is a great place to go. They have a prenatal program, which is 30 days, um, no equipment needed. And then they have a postpartum package that starts with the lying in program. So, so often people ask me what they can do in those first few days when they're not really walking um, yet. And this is a great way to figure out how to start to get back into your body. Um, and then they have a whole postpartum program that is um, rehabilitating 
whether you had a C-section or a vaginal birth, this is a great foundation to getting back into training. So Stu has some great discount codes for you guys, but check them out. We are total fans of the work that they're doing. So, Yeah, and their website is very, very extensive. And so I suggest you go to birthfit.com and scroll through and look at their website. And if you want to sign up for some of the physical fitness courses, you uh, put in the code INSTINCT1 for a discount off their prenatal course and put in the code INSTINCTS2 for a discount off their postpartum course. They have so much to offer. I hope you'll uh, support them because they support us. They're OB and midwife approved. Yep. So go check them out. Okay. Let's get back to the show. You want to explain quickly what biohacking is? Yeah. So everybody has their own definition of it. And I have to say there are not a lot of women in the space. Um, but biohacking is like saying, okay, I'm going to hack my biology, you know, and there are ways of basically killing off the cells that are kind of like dead weight for your metabolic life force, right? Like we're keeping them alive, but they're not really helping our body thrive. And that would be things like using the sauna. Like I'm a big sauna fan. I love it. Um, I have to be careful. I can't do too much of it. My body tells me with headaches, it's like too much, right? So it's like, okay, a couple times a week. My personal routine, I like to jump on a trampoline. So I'm lymphatically draining. So I'll put on some like hip hop, right? Like <laughs> 90s hip hop. I'll jump in front of the trampoline. Uh, I'm sorry, in front of the red light therapy because mm -hmm. I'm working a lot these days and I'm not getting as much sun as I really thrive with. So I'll be naked, bouncing and dancing, and then I'll get in the sauna and I'll sweat and then I'll go back and I'll bounce again for like another another song, right? Or I'll count to a, a certain number. And lymphatically, I'm draining. I'm killing off the weak cells. I'm detoxing. Um, I'm getting my body the particular light waves it needs, right? So it's the red light, the uh, near-infrared light, which is great um, for cell rejuvenation, for helping keep me looking young. And because, you know, there's some there's some vanity in this. No, really? <laughs> sure. I mean, like, I'll do it all. I'll do whatever. You mean you're human? <laughs> Um, sometimes I'll spin my blood, like I'll draw my own blood and I'll spin it and I'll like micro needle and then I'll like put the stem cells on my face. Like, why not? Right. Um, I have a hyperbaric oxygen tent too. So I'll like, I'll, I like to mix my biohack. <laughs> um, you should see, you should see her garage. Yeah. It's like a whole biohacking. Uh -huh. I know Alex is going to outlive all of us. Um, Quickly, what do you think about saunas for pregnant women? Because I hear people who love saunas ask about that. I'm all for it. But yeah. here's the thing. I'm Listen all for to your body. All, yes. And it's like all the things, right? Like raw mm -hmm. dairy, sushi. Um, although I think it's important to take chelators with certain sushis. And I think it's important to take hydrochloric acid with sushi. Um, but I really am glad that they say don't do all these things because I think I think some people don't have discernment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I have a client who saunas regularly, like I'm not like start saunaing pregnancy, but if it's already part of your practice, go for it. Just don't get nauseous, lightheaded or dizzy. Stop short of all of those things. Same thing with hot baths. 
I mean, you know, I, I had somebody told me she could only take a lukewarm bath according to her doctor. And I'm like, but you do understand <laughs> your body temperature is 98.6, right? Like yeah. you, you understand that. And that in order to get to a point, I just remember this in midwifery school, in order to get to a point where you would be harming the fetus, where you raise your core body temperature so hot that you could be cooking your baby, you would be delirious. Like you right. would be having visions, like, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. And, and we common miss, sense. Yeah. Putting miss, people back with their common sense. Yeah. But we miss the value of heat and fevers, you know, like I, I, I feel that's um, a concerning issue that we're not trusting the body to mount the appropriate temperature in children, specifically children and in pregnant women that like there's the fever response is one of the best ways the body has to kill pathogens. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, Agreed. We agree with you. Um, Stu, do you want to go through some of the things in that letter and see what Alex has opinions Alex has about some of those things that we talked? And Alex, I know I sent you Naomi's um, podcast that came out today. I gave you a sneak preview. Was there anything that she said that you would have totally addressed in a different way that you wanted to mention? You know, I listened to it like a week ago and I only got halfway through it. That's okay. I think the... I, what I really love is that people are paying attention to their ovulation cues. I'm really big on the technology that's come out where you can now take your aura ring. And I know we're not marketing aura or anything, but you can pair a piece of jewelry with an app that is now tracking your temperature. I think it's simplified things for people in a very big way. Um, the only thing I would say is I'm, I'm less lab heavy, right? Like, like drawing all these labs, we're looking for reasons. You know what I'm saying? We're looking for reasons why it's not working. And it's just, it's very, it's just too, two dimensional. And we need to like go much further, which is whatever you've got, whatever you've got going on in your body is, or what you're putting into your body or how your body's feeling, that is going to dictate so much about that period of matriescence of, of pregnancy, right? Like you're informing the child by what you're feeling and what you're experiencing during your pregnancy. And unequivocally, if the if the body is healthy, like you're going to have an easier pregnancy. You're going to have an easier recovery. You're going to mm -hmm. have an easier birth. You know, like the we have to make that the priority over getting pregnant and building our family. You know, yeah. and I just feel like I, I, I loved her podcast. I thought it was great. I think it's a great approach. I think it's important to teach people their own fertility, missing in high school, missing in middle school. These are really, you know what? My daughter has human growth and development. She learned how to do a blow job in eighth grade, but nobody talked to her about her fertility. I was like, I'm shocked. I don't even know what to say. Like, this is like a really nice holistic alternative school. I was just like, I, I'm still stunned by the experience. Yeah. I guess that would be, I'm like, a little stunned myself. Yeah. I would, like, this is not optimal. Like, great. Great. We, we, like birth control. I'm, I'm wonderful. Glad we're talking about contraception. Although I don't even like the word birth control. I feel like we need to say words like contra contraception because we're already starting a program of controlling birth just by using terminology. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They can't yeah. do math and they can't spell. They can yeah, give a blowjob. Yeah. <laughs> confidence there now. Good to know. <laughs> like, this is real. This really happened. She's got pictures of it. I was just like. I understand. And you know what comes to mind for me, Alex, is like 
okay, so we've, we've been taught how to please a man, but we still don't know what's happening inside of our own body. Like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Yeah, well, well, before we move on, I just want to, before I go to that, the little bit of that stuff, I just had some thoughts and, you know, I listen, I listen to what you say and it all makes really good sense. Um, but it takes time and changing patterns of behavior can be overwhelming. And the, the model of self-care that, that you are talking about, I was listening and all these things that you're suggesting people do, it, it could be, it, it, like I said, it could be overwhelming for them. And they're going to say, well, I don't have the time for that. My insurance doesn't cover that. Uh, the medical system, they, they don't, you know, to, to, to do what you do, Alex, requires you to read the you know give out a questionnaire read the questionnaire have long conversations with these women this is not conducive to our current state of of medicine in the united states it's not you, doctors can't get reimbursed enough to spend 45 minutes or an hour going over a questionnaire with somebody because they 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 get reimbursed more for um you know doing a biopsy it takes like uh, 30 seconds so the system is completely screwed up so it doesn't it doesn't really allow so people have to get out of the mindset that we've been pushed that we've been funneled down this path of of medical system hashimotos uh here's a prescription for some synthroid go away um and never look at why did why did it, i suddenly develop hashimotos you know megan kelly who's a very very um well known uh a news pundit who is a journalist who has her own stuff. She left Fox. She left NBC. She went off on her own. She said she never had an autoimmune disorder till she recently got vaccinated. And now for the first time in her life, she has an autoimmune disorder. And, you know, the medical system would say, well, here, take this anti-inflammatory medication or take this or whatever, and never really bothered to look at why that happened. And is there another way to around that? And, and what my point being right now is that if people are listening and want to share this with their family members, they need to understand that this is an investment of your time to make yourself healthy, not just for fertility reasons, but for every aspect of it. I mean, fertility for the three of us is probably pretty much done. Yet we still, <laughs> you know, we're all shaking <laughs> our heads, but, uh, you know, we want to live a long, healthy life. We don't want to just live a long life. We want to live a, li a long, vibrant life. And if you don't change what you're doing, if you expect that you're going to continue to do what you're doing and you're going to go to your doctor because your Blue Cross card says you got to go there and you're going to get this from the current medical system, you've got another thing coming. It's not going to happen. Thoughts? Two-dimensional. Everything, all of this is two-dimensional. The medical system is two-dimensional. Like at, at what point do we go to our doctors for, for, for our vital health? They're just limited. One of my favorite things was when having a conversation with Stu and he said in eight years of medical school, he didn't get one hour of one day of nutrition, not one. So why would you go talk to a doctor about nutrition? <laughs> Why would you do that? I actually. It's like Bliss says that you want to go to a hardware store to buy some milk. You know, you're not going to. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. And and that's the thing is there's so much information out there, and it's taking baby steps. You're suddenly you're like, okay, I'm not going to cook on Teflon. Okay, I'm not going to use products in my house to clean. 
that have that are artificial. You know, it's like start to reduce the exogenous chemicals in your environment. Okay, what's next? I'm going to start drinking more water. Okay, what's next? I need to exercise. Actually, I need to sweat. Like it's one of those things that we know is one of the great elimination of pathways. So you start moving your body. And it's almost like you start moving forward, right? You've created a momentum shift in the direction of well-being. Everything changes. Your blood pressure starts to drop um, in a good way. You're, you, you start to lose weight. Pain in your body reduces. Like these are um, great indicators that you're moving in the right direction. Yeah. No. And not everybody's, I think it's a good point, Sue. Not everybody's going to be able to do all of these things. Like Alex have, have a garage that's completely decked out with biohacking. So it's, it's baby steps sometimes, but I think what's really beautiful about what you're expressing, Alex, that is different from the other times that we've talked about fertility is let's, you know, I love that you used to say, let's roll out the red carpet before you get pregnant. So just getting your body in this optimal health is going to not only benefit your life in general, but your pregnancy and your postpartum and think about it holistically. And it's the very best gift you can give your child, right? Like nobody wants to see their kids suffer. Nobody wants to see their kids suffer, but their mental health, their physical health, their immune system, all of these things are impacted. Their teeth. God, I think Lily Nichols has a book out there called Real Food for Pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And talks about her vegetarian or her vegan pregnancies and what happened to her kids' teeth afterwards. You know, it's, and like I said, there's nothing inherently wrong with the vegetarian or vegan diet. And this is not what this conversation is about. Um, But malnourishment of the mother impacts the baby in development, right? And there's so many small changes that we can make that actually don't cost a lot of money. You know, it's not, you don't necessarily have to go see a fancy functional medicine doctor to get this data. In fact, we live in the age of information. All you got to do is scroll on Instagram and start following the people who are putting this information out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just changed the way I buy meat now recently. I mean, I buy meat from a grass fed, uh, I'm assuming again, how do you ever really know? But, you know, I'm buying, I'm not, and the, meat, and the meat comes, and I think we talked about this, Bliss, the meat comes and it it doesn't look that beefy red colored meat, because that's not what normal meat looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's frozen, but it's, you know, it's supposedly, it's a, it's a healthy, and then I went and bought a, a, a water device. Again, I'm, I spent $300 on it. I don't know that it's going to do anything different. I just sort of saw it on the, on Instagram. And you, I put, you know, you put water in there and it goes through the filter and it comes out and it's, it's alkalized and it's purified. And it, it's, it's crazy because, you know, my daughter recently, you know, she lives in New York and she recently bought these water filters that she screws on to the uh, tap water. Mm-hmm. And within two days, it went from white to black in two days, the filter. Mm-hmm. This is what she's been drinking for the year that she'd been living in in Manhattan. Yeah. So, and it's hard. And then if you go, you can't just buy bottled water because it comes in these plastics and you get these, what are was it called? PBAs or whatever. I don't remember what the That's BPA BPAs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But PFAS, which are plastics, which are a big, big 
big problem in our fertility, actually, because unfortunately, these plastics, they get into our body and there's no way to get them out, you know? Yeah. Like, and so I've made those changes in my life. I've stopped drinking soda, except on a rare- You have? Yeah. Except on a rare occasion where I'm on a long drive, then I, <laughs> then I will have it. But I don't buy, I don't buy Coca-Cola products anymore. Uh, I, I go to the vegetable section, which I almost never used to do. And I buy broccoli, which I love. And, uh, you know, I buy the organic broccoli. I'm it's so proud, Stu. Right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> right. I don't exercise as much as I should. It's cold here. It's hard to get out, you know, that sort of thing. But I find, but I do get out in the sun. Uh, and I'm, and I'm trying to do these things, but I'm, but it's a slow process, as you said. It can be overwhelming if you try to do it all at once. You just, you just can't, right? How do you eat an elephant, Stu? <laughs> How do you what? How do you eat an elephant? One piece bite at piece. a time. Yeah, a piece one bite piece. at a time. Right. right. So right. when you get overwhelmed, that's an awful thought, though, Bliss. I just can't even imagine <laughs> even eating an elephant, though. I love elephants. <laughs> it's a saying. Okay. But Alex, thank you so much. <laughs> wait, for wait, wait. On I have joining us. Huh? Yeah. I, you know, I before we go on, I just want to tell my favorite yeah. one of my favorite Alex memories. Okay. Okay. So, Alex, you may remember this, you may not. We were at the sanctuary with somebody in labor. You probably, you're already nodding. And I was sitting on the couch, which I usually sit. And we, I hadn't done anything for hours. And I kept saying, should we check her to see how she's doing? This is very early in my home birthing, out of hospital birthing career. And you said, no, just keep your, keep your headphones in, stay away, just shut up. <laughs> So I stayed on the couch and then, you know, an hour or two would go by and I was bored out of my mind. And I said, should we see how she's doing? And you said, no, just go do something else. Go get something to eat. Go, go away. And then, um, she started making some noises and I said, should we check her now? And you said, no, not yet. Blah, blah, blah. And then eventually she started to go. Ugh. And you said, okay, you can get up off the couch now. And you can, because now we need you. And it's the first time I think that I was ever at a birth where I never did a vaginal exam to see how a woman was progressing. Because all I knew was that you had to do a vaginal exam every two hours and chart it when you're a resident. Because if you didn't, you get yelled at. So I just remember that story that the, the wisdom even, you know, well, you've always been wise, but but all the years I've known you, it's been a a joy to have incorporated so much of what you taught me and extend that to my teaching now and to the women that I cared for all those years. So thank you. Oh, that is so sweet. And, you know, I've learned so much from you, you know, from both of you. And I, I just feel like the collaborations that have taken place as a result of like the real intention, the heart, the heart space intention to, to serve families and to really just be present with them as they go through fucking phenomenal life changes. Um, I mean, it's been such a joy ride, you know? I mean, there have been lots of hard moments, but like, it, like I think we're all in that same heart-centered track of service, like really serving from the highest intention. And, you know, the, at the end, it's not that we're doing anything, right? It's not like we're the magic sauce, you know, we're just the, the witness and we know what normal is. And we, that's why I say ambassador through the cosmos. It's like, I'm holding, I'm walking you through that celestial journey. Like we're all walking each other through it. Aren't we? 
Yeah. As Ram Das would say, we're walking each other home, which I think is really beautiful. Well, it's always lovely to see you, to watch you. I, if you guys are listening uh, on your podcast app, come over to Patreon because just watching Alex as she gets passionate about <laughs> teaching and the hand gestures and the passion that comes through your body language is just, I miss you. I love you. And um, I'm glad that you're out there doing great work, even though we're not elbow to elbow like we used to be. I know. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it again. Let's we set, will. Set the intention. Okay. And so uh-huh. it is. Happy and we, love day, by the way, Alex. Oh, yeah. Happy Valentine's day. day. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, okay. Um, and love to Juno. And love to Juno. Right. I miss you guys. I miss you guys. So next time I'm in LA, I'll see you. Good. You know you could always stay with us. Too. I know. I do. <laughs> That's waiting. Same bliss. It's the same bed. Okay. <laughs> I'll be there soon. <laughs> Okay, Alex, enjoy your day. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom. We're going to we're going to put um some links in our show notes of some of the things that you mentioned. And um until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Birthing Instincts podcast. We know that we all lead busy lives, so we are extremely grateful that you give us an hour of your time each week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for the latest updates and reviews. To help others join us, you can find Dr. Stu at Birthing Instincts and Bliss at Birthing Bliss Midwifery on Instagram. 